It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Uh, taking a look at some of the uh, financial stuff out there. The inflation numbers uh, came out. Inflation moderating, but still increasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, core inflation still a problem. Right. As we saw, was up 0.4%. Uh, yeah, core CPI month over month was uh, 04 uh, The CPI overall was up 0.1. The median forecast was for 0.2. The previous month, it had been up 04 Uh also, year-over-year year core CPI was uh, at 5.6, which is higher than the previous month year-over-year. Right. Year. So, yeah. uh, and it was right on with the median forecast. And so that is, that's got to be concerning. Um, it wasn't a horrible day on Wall Street, but then you, you saw that the uh, the – the minutes from the Fed came out, and and now they're saying that they believe there's going to be a recession as a result of the bank failures. Not anything we did at the Fed, but the bank failures. Warren Buffett, by the way, saying that he believes that the bank crisis is not over. We'll see about that. And we'll see about a recession and and also its relationship to the the bank failures. All right, here here we go. Projections following the meeting indicated that Fed officials expect GDP growth of just 0.4% for all of 2023. Now, for the entire year. The entire year. Now, the GDP is not inflation adjusted. Is it? Uh, I don't believe it is. No, is it? I don't think so. I have to double check that. Okay. We asked this question. I, I know I, I asked think, that question. I think we've asked I've before. asked that question one yeah. time. <laughs> but I've taken cold medicine since then. <laughs> so, you know, same, same, same with me. I, I'm on the, uh, you know, they, they, they say that I'm on the, the daily cold medicine. The daytime, I, yeah. I have a real, what I say, the daily? Yeah. <laughs> the, the the day cold medicine. Mm. Uh, and they say that... Uh, well, when, when I first took it yesterday was, or two days ago when I first took it, my head was just, it was like a bowling ball. That's what it felt like. And it made me feel better. Uh, but uh, I noticed that uh, the more you take it, even though it's non-drowsy, it does a job on your system. You know, you feel like, you feel dragged. And so I took right. some at the beginning of the show, so it's run out by now. because it's There is the real... GDP, which yeah. is an inflation-adjusted measure that reflects the value of all goods and services uh, produced by an economy in any given year. Real GDP is uh, expressed in uh, base year prices. It is often referred to as constant price GDP, inflation-corrected GDP, or constant dollar GDP. But so real GDP is not. Real GDP 
is what they call real GDP. Oh, okay. Real, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, it is. There, there it is right there. An inflation-adjusted measure. So what they put out there, is that inflation-adjusted their projection? Depends on who's putting it out. <laughs> is well, it the I Biden guess, administration? I, I guess since it's uh, Fed officials. <laughs> since it's Fed officials. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah. Uh, with the Atlanta Fed. The, the GDP increases um, due to inflation, GDP increases and does not actually reflect the true growth of an economy. This is why GDP must be divided by the inflation rate, and um, they do the math here, to get the growth of the real GDP. So you want to look at the real GDP as it is adjusted for inflation. You know, but the so. thing is, you know, we've, we've talked about the GDP to begin with, using that as an indicator. Oh, yeah. And to us, it's the always... formula yeah, changed. To, to, all, to us, it's always been the fact of, you know, durable goods and services, you know, the increase in, in, yeah. in that. That, that uh, I guess, at, at that point, if you index that for inflation, you get a, a, a more idea. But the, you know, when you see, for example, the massive government money that we have, that we have spent and still the massive government money that was spent because we're, you know, we're 1.1 trillion in the first six months yeah. in debt. So the money, government money flowing into the economy also contributes to the GDP, yet it isn't necessarily money that's going for productive purposes and, and actually contributing to the actual uh, the uh, increase in durable goods and services, the actual production of goods and services, which actually is a measure of a growing economy. And so that yeah, that's the, right. but it's the only thing that you have. So we're not, I'm not, because you compare one to the other, then at least you're, com- yeah. at least you're comparing apples to apples, it, even if it isn't exactly what I would like. If there is a consistent formula, then you can look back and say, okay, what has the trend been based on that consistent formula then? Uh, but when they changed it, uh, it, it, it started to morph into things, um, that, that honestly you look at like investment. Okay. It is, it is proper to measure if a manufacturing company decides we're going to expand our manufacturing facilities, either the number of them or the current ones, we're going to expand that capacity. If that is based on something like, if you're looking at like a Lockheed Martin, if, if that is based on something like uh, the trend of contracts or pending contracts or something, you can say, all right, this is absolutely necessary. And on top of that, they're actually making purchases. They're building uh, and they're building out that manufacturing facility, uh, which is going to require them to spend money. Uh, then you can you can work that into the formula, but there was more leeway than that, uh, and in my opinion, they were giving, they were putting too much. Again, in my opinion, too much value on that promise of future investment, and that's why I think it gets too way too um, gray. In that in that way, yep. let's let's measure what's going on, and I don't have a problem. Again, if you're going to measure something where a Lockheed Martin has all these new contracts, or uh, a manufacturer is actually purchasing real estate and equipment to expand their operation, of course you have to measure that. That is part of it. That's how an economy expands. Uh, that's that's that is 
how you're supposed to measure it. But too much emphasis was put on things that had not materialized to that point. So, um, yeah, as, C- as we'll CNBC see. has here, projections following the meeting indicated the Fed officials expect uh, GDP growth of just 0.4% for all of 2023, mm-hmm. with the Atlanta Fed tracking first quarter uh, gain around 2.2%. That would indicate a pullback later on in the year and a significant pullback, too. Yeah, it looks yeah. Like that would yeah. be. The it crisis has be, caused yeah. some speculation that the Fed might hold the line on rates, but officials stress that more is needed uh, to be done to uh, to tame inflation. So, And I guess that would be the point. If, if you look at the fact that we end up in a recession later on this year and you do have, uh, uh, you do have uh, the, um, uh, the inflation rate, you know, still the core inflation especially, because that's what you're looking at, at that point, you are still in stag. You you are in stagflation, right? And the other thing, you know, again with the the amount of money, because this is where the GDP gets perverted when we talk about the amount of government spending that is unprecedented that can boost GDP. Yeah, and and even the government spending that we're having right now, because you know of of the one point one trillion dollar deficit in just the first six months. Of this year, by the way, the Biden administration can't claim the deficit's going down now, can they? No, be pretty tough for them to do that mm-hmm. <laughs> after those numbers came out. That you just you you wonder because you pay for it down the road. Yeah, when you when you pump all this money in and it has great GDP growth, the the drag on the interest rate on the economy, you're, it's going to hurt you down the road later on. Right, you always pay for it. Nothing is free. Right, and so when you look at that, you just say, okay, how bad will it be? Uh, a year from now. Well, yeah. that's it. Um, and and when you have the, uh, the so much emphasis on the banking situation right now, uh, you have the, the calling, and it started immediately in the wake of the bank failures to have the Fed reverse what they're doing. I wouldn't be shocked to hear that talk Probably next year. I don't think there's going to be that talk of the Fed uh, anytime this year. I could be wrong. Maybe they, maybe they do. But of reversing interest rates. But I've said all along. I don't think Powell. I don't think the Fed is serious about getting on top of inflation. And then you look at it from uh, there was one article that we brought this earlier this week and. We pair it with something you brought last week, and that's the drop in rents. Uh, the the, uh, the 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 core inflation or the or inflation CPI. It measures thirty percent of that is is based on shelter costs, right? Total shelter right. costs, yes. and it's it's also it lags behind as the government numbers often do. But real-time drops in rent are showing that it's significant. It's not everywhere because the real estate market varies from state to state, region to region, but you are seeing it. And that may sound very good for renters, but what it points to with the economy is uh, quite possibly a, a serious recession. And when you see that kind of drop where there is less and less demand, and it does make sense on a couple of different fronts. If you 
if you uh, add on what Jamie Dimon and others have said that any savings that was built up during the COVID years is going to be depleted, certainly by the end of this summer, that they are seeing that drawdown. You see the information that shows more and more adults that are leaning on their parents, if not living with their parents, but the ones especially that are living with their parents, if they are living at home, adult children living with their parents, then you're going to see that demand start to drop more and more and more. Or at what happens quite often is that people take on roommates and or, you know, you so you're. Basically, you're 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 depleting that demand. What did I see? Was that was that figure that came out yesterday? I, it's somewhere here. I've got it. I, I'll look for it. I'll look for it during the break here. But uh, what was it sixty eight percent of retired parents are supporting their kids? Yeah, I saw that. And what was it? Uh, oh, there was another number in that um, well, but, that was but, kind but, of because it said. I think it was. I think it said retired. Retired, that's, right. That's what caught me. I mean, to right. me, that was my... Because you're talking about people on fixed incomes. Fixed incomes. At that point, having yeah. to support their adult kids. Oh, and what was it? They were giving... They, oh, they had depleted their... They Many of yes, them had depleted, depleted their, their savings, savings. Yes. to help their adult children. Yep. That number is... Staggering. Yeah, for retired fixed income people, that number blew my mind. It's staggering. There are a couple of uh, things that came out yesterday that and another one that showed that the boomers and you and i had talked about this that financially things are going well for boomers that they're in a good place mm-hmm. especially those that are not retired yet and we had <laughs> talked about that because of the turn in the demographics and and how things were turning over and that the younger demographics because they're not at their prime earnings age and this has always been the case that they're they're earning less, they're having greater financial struggles, especially in the wake of such massive inflation. But then boomers are never first of all, never afraid to work and they 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 many of them have had two jobs and they don't they don't mind uh, working a second job. They are in a financial situation where they are pretty comfortable. but then that story, the other story that came out about, retirees that are helping their adult children and some to the point of depleting all of their savings yeah. yep now you're not a boomer are you no you're no you're you're younger yeah yeah now, i'm 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 a boomer now it was funny because when we were taught would it was about a month ago we we're in talking about the fact that i'm at retirement age but i'm not going to retire mm-hmm. our friend uh, uh richard from houston yeah the, the great financial counselor down there richard rosso he was like he goes you can't retire you can't retire and i said you forgot. Remember, you're a financial planner. Remember, I told you my retirement plan, what it is. I'm not retiring. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you should be fiscally okay then. Exactly. But, yeah. So, I mean, that's 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 my retirement plan. Right. I'm not going to retire. Not going to retire. <laughs> you know, but you when you look at that and and the the this kind of uh, spot that we this threshold that we reach in demographics of the workforce. And then you add to it the fact that we don't have enough adults here in the States to be in the workforce to the extent that we need it in order to expand an economy the way it should expand historically. So what that requires is a, well, because we're not having babies, 
immigration. Politically, you can't get that done right now. Nope. And so we're in a situation where it's very low unemployment and likely will be for the time being. And I don't see that changing for several years at least. And, and that by saying that, you just made me think of another point that we'll bring up mm. next. Eight six six ninety red eye After seeing grocery store food prices go up month after month after month, we shoppers saw something in March we haven't seen in a long time. Food at home or grocery prices showed a decline this month for the first time since November of 2020. Ag Department economist Megan Schweitzer says, though, the March decline in grocery prices was very small, only two-tenths of one percent, but it breaks that long run of consecutive price hikes. Now, not every food category went down last month, but... Of the 22 food categories that we track, 14 of them declined in March. Including pork, poultry, dairy, fresh fruits and vegetables, fats and oil. So why this food price turnaround? Well, the overall rate of inflation is coming down across the economy compared to last year. As the Fed raises interest rates, that's having an impact really on categories across the economy. Now, even with price declines in March, grocery store food prices are still running almost 8.5% higher than March a year ago. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 truck stop at exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the super truck showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80.
It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Yeah, so when we're looking at the economy, we look at all the the variables out there, Eric, for the future, and, you know, talking about the cities, and we've talked about, you know, where does Chicago go? Where does New York go? Where does L.A. go? Where does Portland go? They're not going to change the politics, so they're only headed in one direction. Or you look at a New York state, you look at Illinois, you look at California. They're not going to become Republican tomorrow. You know, they may they they may try to pair things off at the edge and say, okay, this is – but basically – where they're going down, they're going to keep 95% of, you know, what they've been doing, which is not going to lead them to success. So you look at the fact, as you were talking about before, that we are going to need, we don't have, a, there's no more baby booms. There's no more women coming into the workforce by the tens of millions that they did post-World War II. That doesn't exist anymore. The baby boom's not going to happen again. We're not in a nation right now because of the of the situation we're in because of illegal immigration. We're not going to solve that problem and have an organized legal immigration and even temporary workers to the extent that we're going to need. So how does that change an economy? Because if you don't have the workers, you cannot have you cannot have economic growth. It has to be and, super innovation in AI or automation. Right. But does that also mean that those states like California, Illinois, New York will actually lose much more economically because of the new variables Mm -hmm. that we're experiencing? Good question. to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. All right, I got to play this audio cut. It really isn't a current event, but it came up yesterday again. It was all over social media. Yeah. And uh, it was... Uh, Showing uh, uh, AOC how she uses how she uses an accent changes the way that she speaks in order to apparently be relatable to the audience that she talks about. Now, this is something that is unique to Democrats, and we've seen this before. Yes, uh, Obama used to do it. Hillary's done it. Yeah, Hillary's done it. Mm-hmm. They change their the accent of their voice. I have never seen a Republican do that. Ever no, but but here is here is AOC, uh, and this uh, uh, in her normal voice, and then her accent. Here we go. When Donald Trump tapped into this idea of make America great again, there there were there was times of economic opportunity. Wages rose until the 1970s. I'm proud to be a bartender. Ain't nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with working retail, folding clothes for other people to buy. There is nothing wrong with preparing the food that your neighbors will eat. (laughs) Is there anything wrong with using a fake accent? I don't know. Is there anything else that anything else that she could say possibly? Let's hear. Let's see if there's anything else she could possibly say. (laughs) 
Ah! Oh my god! Oh! <laughs> hey, that one story because it was big news yesterday. Everybody was complimenting Arnold Schwarzenegger for oh filling in. Oh my gosh! There was a pothole. What, on the street or something like that? And he filled it now in? Now listen to me. I went down the street the other day and there's a pothole there. He's doing damage to the cars and to bicycles and everything there. And I was thinking, you know, listen, let's find a solution. So we're going to the Home Depot. We're going to get the stuff and we're going to fill the pothole. It wasn't a pothole. It wasn't a pothole. <laughs> it was an access point for a repair job. <laughs> <laughs> on a natural gas line. Arnold, what and were you he, doing? Listen to me. Don't go down there. There's a pothole over there. It's not a pothole. It's a pothole, I'm telling you. Follow me if you want to live. I'm going to feel all the potholes everywhere. I've got a, that was my swimming pool. No, it's a pothole over there in your backyard. It's This is the problem. Because my first thought was, wait a minute. I mean, I know he's former governor, but isn't that illegal? I've always been told. Yeah, I, I don't think I can fill in a pothole. I don't think that, I'd be allowed that to. You I, can't, you can't I'm, do I'm, that I'm, because it might become, you, who knows what you're right. using. It might become more dangerous. Whatever. You're not supposed to do that. You can report it. But I'm going to do something about it. I got two bags of asphalt and put it down on the ground there, and I filled it in. And then I thought, well, okay, maybe this is a PR thing, right, for the city of L.A. Maybe. I, I didn't see that he, anywhere, but I, I'm can thinking. He, can he run for governor again? He was trying to. I'm thinking, all right, okay, well, um, you know, let's all chip in to do our part or something I don't know the message being sent. Oh, I'm the last pothole hero here. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget the Christmas time watch jingle all the way. Uh, kindergarten cop. It's not a tumor. All of these things were going through my head. And I thought, I don't see any city officials or anything making a comment. And then, oh, that's. Because that's not a pothole. <laughs> it is an access point. Uh, here it is. It was a service <laughs> trench. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it was purposely created by SoCal Gas, according to the city of Los Angeles. <laughs> Quote, this location is not a pot. I'm telling you, it's a pothole down there. This location is not a pothole. It's a service trench that relates to active permitted work being performed at the location by SoCal Gas, who expects the work to be completed by the end of May, end quote. Uh, by the way, he put it on Twitter, of course. You know, and there were videos there. The, the, the video was, was there and everything else. And today, after the whole neighborhood has been upset about this giant pothole, 
that's been screwing up cars and bicycles for weeks. I went out with my team and fixed it. Oh, you fixed it all right. You, you caused more work for SoCal Gas. I'm guessing they're going to be able to dig it up again. Wow. So NPR is off Twitter, you saw that story. Yeah, they're leaving Twitter. Yep. Lots of uh, pushback here recently. People calling for the, um, <laughs> instead of defund the police, defund NPR. Take the, well, did take you, the public money out of it. Did you see Musk's response? Mm. Uh, on Because there was, uh, I, I don't know if it was NPR, but somebody had posted what NPR had said that this is uh, ridiculous to do that. What do you have to say, Elon Musk? And he went, defund. <laughs> yeah, right. Stop taking government money exactly. and, and it comes off. Right. Like, oh, my God, that was just... Right? Yeah, because they... Uh, and that's been the, the back and forth for a long time. Right. Well, it's not all the money that we get. It's only... And there's anywhere because they... I, I've seen... The figures were saying less than 1% of well, with the local P, uh, NPR affiliates and then the local fundraising, it's actually, you know, and, and the local grants, because mm-hmm. they talked about grants, which is actually taxpayer dollars, the taxpayer, the, the government grants, yeah. that that actually is a part of it. And so when they went into it, I mean, it's anywhere, be, I've seen figures anywhere between 1% and 14%. Well, in that argument, when, they, when they're saying, well, it's less than 1%, okay, then they won't miss it. Right? Yeah. It should be easy to do then. Shouldn't be a problem. What you're telling me is, oh, it's not a problem. Okay, then end it all. You don't have a problem with that because it's only a tiny amount. Great. End it. And so, you know, they're leaving Twitter. We're taking our toys and going home. All right, whatever. Whatever. It's, you know, they, it, it's, it's interesting how uh, the liberal media and, and members of the liberal media, since Musk has taken over Twitter, remember the New York Times said, what was it? We're no longer going to require our reporters. <laughs> they call them reporters. Our report, our journalists, which is funnier than reporters, to be on Twitter because they get criticism, which tells <laughs> you how bad it was before Elon Musk took over Twitter. They thought they had won the social media war forever, that they were going to be able to control the con- In fact, they were for a while controlling the narrative through social media. New York Post has a story on Hunter. Boom, they're gone. It's a legitimate story still today. And if a reporter at the New York Times gets criticism, well, we're going to take our toys and go home. Okay, fine. They're, They're really angry that they don't control social media anymore. And they don't. Well, look, and we also told, uh, we also said, don't expect, look, Elon Musk, it's not going to be a, a, 
you're you're not going to have uh, Twitter be uh, number one uh, a free speech outlet that he's going to be doing his the censoring of his own, mm-hmm. uh, which, he, it, which it, he's been doing lately. Right. It, it, it may be different, but you're going to find and we had warned from that from the very, very uh, uh, you know beginning, because you cannot you cannot do on a public medium like that what you can do if you're protesting and screaming and yelling at a protest in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. The same things aren't allowed on there. Right. You know, there, you know, there is, uh, there is uh, profanity and stuff that, for example, that we can, by law, that we can't, you know, use on, on the public airwaves, mm-hmm. for example. You can use them, you can use them. Free speech gives you much more leeway in the public square than on particular mediums. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, and so we knew that from the beginning. So we knew, you know, there were going to be things. And by the way, they remember it was state affiliated media. And I think they, they changed it to government funded media. As, uh, ah, okay. Uh, and then they still said, no, we're not going to do it because we don't, we don't uh, uh, get it. We only get it from, you know, government grants or whatever. And like I said, mm-hmm. I've seen, I, I don't know precisely, but I saw figures anywhere from under 1% to 14%. That's what I've seen mm-hmm. from different media outlets. I don't know which one is the, tr- I don't know which one is the truth. I, right. right. Be honest, but they do get some government money. When you do that in a in a situation where we're in today, where the government is attempting to control the media, don't be surprised when you're going to be called out on it from somebody saying, if you're getting it from the government because of what the government is attempting to do with censoring and controlling the message that you don't get some blowback from it. That's right. just the reality that, M- that NPR has to realize is going to happen to them. Now, yep. you you and I both, uh, uh, I know two people, one ju- one just recently got laid off. I know two people that work, you and I know one, Emil, mm-hmm. and he's a great journalist. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, a great, he's, great work. He's great. I've known does, him forever. Does, we know him forever, does great work. I had another friend of mine who I worked with uh, earlier who worked in uh, uh, the the uh, the Buffalo area. Yeah, uh, my friend Dave. Yeah, and uh, he's a great journalist. He mm-hmm. really attempts to do everything from a fair point of view to the point where you notice it, and at times, <laughs> with me, I haven't actually go have a little bit more of a bias because you sound wimpy. And it really wasn't wimpy. It's just the way that he was doing. Well, let's hear from the other side. I don't hear fair. <laughs> yeah, I don't and, know. but he was. He was. He would try to be so fair. Where and it's like, and you're not used to it. Where it would actually go. Ah. But he's worked. Both of them have worked in the commercial media, and and, and they're both and they're both great, great reporters. Work right? Done at NPR yeah. for many years. So yep. It's not about that. It is about this idea of whether. The taxpayer should be supporting it at any level, right? But overall, I would say it's obvious to me. Overall, they have a liberal bent. Oh no, no, they and, do. They and, and it, clearly and it's, do. And it's not so much that it's just. It, a lot of times, it can be in the omission of stories or the context of of stories that they get, like the rest of the mainstream media, completely wrong. Yeah, right. That it's like, yeah, but you left this out here, or yeah. this word was used there, right? You know, as I, as you know, we've stated before, what when um, when you have, and I've even seen it in the conservative media, for example, pronouns when they're saying, you know, if it's a transgender woman and they use she, mm-hmm. you're not a journalist when you do that. No, 
because that's a preferred pronoun that is not biologically accurate. That's why I will, I'll never, you know, because I saw, what's his name, Jordan Peterson. Would you would you use somebody's, uh, you know, pronoun? He goes, well, that's negotiable. That, that wouldn't be negotiable with me. Now, whatever their name is, I'll call them by their name. Mm-hmm. Whatever their name, yeah, if you change your name, fine, I'll call you by that name. I'm not going to call you because there are names that can be male or female. Mm-hmm. But if that's your name, I'll call you by your name. But pronouns aren't negotiable with me because that's that's biology. And that's, it's also part of the agenda. It's also part of the agenda, too. Right. Right. 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. And I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Carley. I'm sorry, I can't start. I can't start. I can't stop laughing at the Arnold story because there was so much publicity uh, two days ago about how he filled in the pothole, he filled in the pothole, he filled in the pothole, he filled in the pothole. And then yesterday, it wasn't a pothole. (laughs) It's not a a pothole. One of the funniest things. It was like, he's a hero. This This is somebody who's a true citizen. Nah, it wasn't a pothole. I took my team down to the <laughs> store. We were going to fill the pothole all by ourselves. Look, I'm a hero. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, that is so darn funny. Yeah. So we're going to do funny. that one over there tomorrow. That's a <laughs> swimming pool, Arnold. <laughs> no, please, please don't. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? (laughs) (laughs) In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 